Do you hear that? The feeling of dread? The desperate loneliness and isolation? The tension of fear and panic? Can you hear how the music makes you feel? Is it just the sound of your heartbeat as you face your imminent demise? Chernobyl is a 2019 historical drama made by HBO that revolves around the real-life Chernobyl disaster of 1986 and the cleanup efforts that followed. The series was created and written by Craig Mazin and directed by Johan Rennick. But most importantly, it was composed by Hildur Gudnadotter. Gudna Daughter is an Icelandic musician and composer. Classically trained as a cellist, you might know her for her score to Todd Phillips' Joker 2019, where Gudna Daughter won the Academy Award for Best Original Score. She also won the Golden Globe Award for Best Original Score and the BAFTA Award for Best Original Music, making her the first solo female composer to win in both. For her scoring of Chernobyl, Gudna Daughter won a Primetime Emmy Award, a BAFTA Award, and a Grammy Award. But first, take a listen to this. Hope, what do you hear? Horses? Wrong. Coconuts. In Monty Python and the Holy Grail, the coconuts create an illusion of a horse that is not actually there. If the sound of the coconuts was not present, it might not be possible to discern the knight's action as riding a horse. So that brings us to the big question of this podcast. Does Chernobyl's use of nuclear power plant sounds contribute in a similarly essential manner to the score? First off, let me say that these two examples aren't used the same way. The coconuts in Monty Python are a literal visual-to-audio translation, an example of Mickey Mousing, where what's on screen is mirrored by what you hear. But in Chernobyl, the music isn't just mirroring the location you see on screen. The low droning of machinery. The overbearing clanging of metal parts. They are evoking a horrific and tragic reality. So you mentioned that she recorded the audio for the music from an actual nuclear power plant. How did that work? In Philip Hayward and Matt Hill's Ascendancy, the rise and recognition of Hildur Gudnadotter as a screen composer, they write, Similar to her involvement with Joker, Gudnadotter began work on the score in advance of production. Her main pre-production activity involved her visiting the decommissioned nuclear power plant in Lithuania, where the majority of the series was shot with veteran field recording engineer Chris Watson. They listened to and recorded the ambient sounds of the location in situ, in a process that required wearing protective hazmat suits, in order to gain creative inspiration. Further, in Tor Storvold and John Richardson's Radioactive Music, the eerie agency of Hildur Gudnadotter's music for the television series Chernobyl, they note that 
The production of the musical score using location recordings was unique in the context of contemporary television music. Gunna Daughter was given the time and budget to embark on a compositional journey that is rarely ever possible in the framework of commercial television production. So this semester in class, we've talked a bit about the process of music production as adjacent or following the completion of the visual aspects of film or video games. You know Bernard Herrmann, the musical composer for Vertigo and Psycho, which we watched together? He worked closely with Hitchcock throughout the process of filming and even suggested defining ideas for the music. So Gudna Daughter was hired to start working on the score before the storyboarding or the filming? Yeah, music being composed before or simultaneous to the visuals is unusual for film, let alone TV. So obviously music was a big focus for the people in charge of this project. I know you mentioned this while we were watching, but the visuals and cinematography for Chernobyl aren't really that visually distinct. If anything, they're a little mundane. But regardless, you get absorbed into the episodes. And I think that's probably to the music. You did say repeatedly while watching that the music made you feel anxious. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. Is the music real for the characters on screen? The score uses real audio from an actual power plant. The sounds are the same, but obviously the organization and mix of sounds can't be realistic. But perhaps there's more to what the characters hear that goes beyond hard realism. I mean, it feels real. As the characters walk through the hallways and the flooded basement of the power plant, the music sounds like it could be the machinery around them and the alarms going off. Something else that really struck me too was the use of silence. I don't know if you noticed, but the music doesn't actually play that often, only in really tense scenes with no dialogue. Whenever there's dialogue, there's no music. Also, they'll really play up the sound effects. Just in episode one, you could hear the dude clicking the buttons on his tape recorder, the cat licking their paws, rustling newspaper, and the crackling of glass underfoot. Those are some pretty subtle sounds in contrast with the music we've heard so far and the blaring alarm systems. I wanted to point out something you said while we were watching. I asked you, what does the music make you think of? And you said, death. <laughs> I mean, doesn't it? <laughs> the music really feels like you're being lured into something, like sirens making sailors drown themselves at sea. We know what they don't know, and that's what makes the music just so terrifying. That seems to support the non-diegetic aspect of the music then, because the characters don't have the same knowledge we have as a viewer. I don't know, I might disagree. I feel like the characters do know. I, like, at some point in the show, they all become aware that their deaths are inevitable and imminent. But even before that, it's like they can hear 
the same panic that we're feeling for them. So maybe the music isn't as non-diegetic as we think. Hayward and Hill write, There is a pronounced ambiguity and crossover between the diegetic and non-diegetic sound elements present in the series. With Gudna Daughter's score comprising metallic, resonant, oscillating, and or pulsing drones with slow attack and decay envelopes. Can music be a character in film or TV? I really like that question. My gut reaction is yes, absolutely. Well, I didn't come up with that question, so I can't take credit for it. Sford and Richardson say, The composer had a distinct character in mind when envisioning her work. Not a human character or protagonist, or the character of a physical environment, but the forces and processes which affected both of these in the course of the disaster. Her main character was, in short, the radiation itself. She comments, Because the radiation is the character as such in these events that you can't film and you can't see, but you need to be able to feel it. And I felt that the music was a good place to feel the radiation. What do you think? I think that's right. The radiation is a character. It's scary because it's this invisible force that can reach out and kill anybody within range. And it's a very long range. There was one scene where people were standing outside to look at the explosion and like this nuclear snow started falling and this one lady was just holding her baby outside. <laughs> like, lady, that baby's gonna die now. There are no light motifs for specific characters because there are no heroes or villains. There are only people. People who make mistakes and bad decisions. And then there's radiation. Cold, unfeeling, unbiased radiation that kills slowly, not by choice, but by nature. Does Gudna Daughter's use of actual recorded nuclear power plant sounds contribute or enhance the authenticity of the audience's viewing experience? Was recording audio from an actual nuclear power plant for the soundtrack worth the effort? I definitely think so. Do you think a viewer would notice the use of real recorded sounds in the score? I mean, I'm not a music person. <laughs> uh, you are, but I'm definitely not, and I was able to notice the music. I mean, you're kind of biased because I told you we were going to do a podcast about music beforehand. Nah, but like, even if I watched this alone, I definitely would have noticed the music. Or at least I would have noticed how anxious I was feeling and then realized the music was at least in part causing it. Should music composers stop wasting their time recording sounds from source material? Or do you think that more music composers should take up this practice and add a little more realism to their work? I don't know if all composers need to do this, but obviously in this instance, I would say it worked brilliantly and I don't think it would be the same without the real sound recordings. So I would definitely encourage other music composers taking up similar projects to pursue this. Right at the beginning of the first episode, the narrator asks, 
What is the cost of lies? But music doesn't lie. The music presents the haunting truth to you no matter what you want to believe. The characters can be in denial at first. They don't want to believe that the nuclear reactor core has exploded because that means they're just dead. So they lie. It's easier to lie when the truth is too hard to accept. I'm glad they didn't use actual instruments. The machine sounds are almost musical in a horrific kind of way. I'm sure you could get something approximate to what we heard using instruments or artificial sound effects, but yeah, the, the truth of using actual power plant sounds, I think that was really important. I just wanted to end with some YouTube reviews I found listening to the soundtrack, because I think that the fact that average viewers notice the music really speaks to how powerful and compelling it is. One comment from a user called Freya of Serbius. This soundtrack is utter perfection. It's what helps tip Chernobyl into legendary status. It's a real-life horror movie where the monster is radiation. Another comment by Shannon Croft. Chernobyl is already viscerally terrifying, haunting and unavoidable. What it shows and doesn't show have equally impactful meaning and almost abyssal depth. This first piece you hear really comes back to cement it. Low, drumming, broken, and discordant, but in a sort of harmonious cacophony that grabs your attention. You will listen because you need to understand the truth. The music was very upsetting. So in this podcast, we've been trying to answer if the use of real-world recorded sounds contributes to the overall realism of a TV show or movie soundtrack. Hope, what did you think about Chernobyl as a show overall? It was really hard to watch. <laughs> um, I think that was definitely on purpose <laughs> by the showrunners. Um, as a show, it's it's really moving, and although I might not recommend it to everyone, because I know it was upsetting for me, uh, it's definitely one to watch for musicians and non-musicians alike. When I first watched it, I thought it was a masterclass in storytelling, but Chernobyl is a masterclass in storytelling through music. It challenges the idea that music is a supportive element to visual media. Gudna Daughter has created a monstrous and dreadful score that rivals the greatest villains in film and TV history. 